0: Prediction time here, Sacramento Kings Podcast Edition. Matt George from the Lockdown Kings Podcast, joined by Franklin Cardicelli and Chris Watkins from the Return of the Roar Podcast. And gentlemen, we are what? weeks away from the opening of training camp, just over a month away from the start of the season. I have absolutely loved this offseason schedule. I'm bummed out that we're kind of going back to a regular NBA schedule, although I'm not bummed out that we uh, we don't have to wait until around Christmas time to get Kings basketball. It's right over the horizon, and, and that means this time of the year is the time for us to, to whip out our, our crystal balls and look as deep as we can and try and figure out what in the world is going to happen, make these bold predictions that usually are dead by a month into the season. But hey, let's have some fun with it how are you guys doing
1: great man it's good to talk to you man like you know obviously we, we used to work with each other we used to see each other pretty frequently and this is definitely like the longest since like the start of covid that we've gone without seeing you man so so it's gonna be a fun catch-up at the least We're wait gonna, a minute it, it it's
2: it's big daddy george it's it's dad no, it's george actually, in the house i was like whoa frank but i, <laughs> I was like it's actually boogie george but it's uh, yes it is Dad, Boogie George, Matt. I mean, the dad duties – how are the dad duties going for you, my man?
0: I don't know what's going to be easier, covering the Sacramento Kings this year or dad duties. And I'm oh. I'm guessing covering the Sacramento Kings are going to be. But, hey, I'm looking forward to watching games with the little man at home. I'll try and make it out to games as much as possible. But I know you two are going to be in the arena for a lot of games, as you guys were uh, last year when there was no crowd in attendance. So before we jump into these predictions, just the fact that like, even experiencing um, – the California classic. And even if it was just the lower bowl and the lower bowl being full, having a crowd in there was a massive difference because all three of us experienced what it was like for the Kings to play in an empty arena. And it's just, it's just not the same, especially for the Sacramento Kings atmosphere, but I'm most looking forward to honestly, Tyrese Halliburton, Davion Mitchell, those who haven't gotten to experience it yet getting the opportunity because Tyrese got to experience it as a spectator at the California classic, but now he's going to get to play in front of it. And some of the moments we got out of Tyrese at the start of last season would have made the, that place absolutely pop. So I, I hope he gets that, that pop very early this season.
2: Mm-hmm. It's it, it's definitely a difference maker. Uh, it's something that I think last year, uh, don't know if it would have translated to wins. But at least it would have made the losses feel a little better. Just having those moments where the crowds going nuts. Uh, the Tyrese Halliburton, uh, he had a, a devastating crossover last year. I can't remember who it was against, but uh, it, yeah, it, it was on like the top ten crossovers on on the NBA's top crossovers of the year. But um, my last night, my sister went to a concert in the Bay Area and, and at Chase Center. She said that people were telling her it was the first. Uh, I think full capacity event that the arena had had since the pandemic. So yeah, golden one center. I'm assuming if things keep going the way they're going, uh, opening night will be the first one the Kings have had in a year and a half, but it's definitely been missed.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think uh, Tyree's coming back. I mean, you said it, Matt, like he's never experienced the, the golden one center crowd before. And he, I think he's even talked about how uh, in the minimal taste that he's gotten, he can tell that it's going to be, a crazy season but I think you know Kings fans are always ready to show up and be loud and uh yeah come opening night that thing that place is going to be rocking because I mean e- even you know you, you mentioned you know obviously last season there was there was no fans and so watching the games it was dead quiet and the one thing I did notice from the California Classic A Kings fans are ready for some ba- to watch basketball in person because that place was packed and B it was loud as hell even for a summer, like a pre summer league, like it's not even like official summer league, it's a pre summer league league. And uh, and people were just screaming through the roof. We me and Frankie saw a fight happen in front of us, yeah. like, you are ready to go. A preseason, preseason yeah. summer
2: league game. Kings Lakers fans wow. are brawling out in the streets of Sacramento. So, it's it's like, uh, let's
1: get in a fight at Rucker Park because yeah. no, like, what is going on? Basketball. The world
0: is healing. The world is healing. Yeah, the, fans and the Lakers fans are, are fighting again. But to, to be fair, too, not to undermine the volume at the California Classic, a lot of that volume came from the live DJ set that they did <laughs> courtside. Man, that guy had everything cranked all the way up. Yeah. So, uh, and I, I kind of like the look of that set. Obviously, it's not going to be there for the regular season because they knock out so many seats. But it was a it was a cool look for the California Classic. But that being said, summer league basketball very different from regular season basketball. And I'll actually speaking of Tyrese Halliburton, I'll kick off our our bold predictions with one about Tyrese Halliburton um, because we saw his ability to to space the floor, and he was a really good shooter in the fourth quarter. And that kind of slowed down a little bit as he started dealing with some injury issues in the middle towards the end of the season. So my honestly first bold prediction for Tyrese Halliburton this year is to become a 40 plus percent three point shooter. It's a big jump. It's a big step up, but with the amount of tension that I expect to be on De'Aaron Fox and wondering if he's going to be sharing the floor with Buddy Heald or not, the one thing I have said on the podcast before is if if Tyrese could become a 40 plus percent three point shooter, that basically completely gets rid of any reason to have um, Buddy Heald. And I don't mean that disrespectfully to Buddy, but Buddy's ability, his elite shooting that 40-plus percent high-volume three-point shooting that he provides the Kings, that's what got him paid, and that's what keeps him having a job here in Sacramento despite his defense being shaky and, and not really having much of an all-around game other than his shot. If Tyrese or somebody takes over that 40-plus percent three-point shooting, buddy, I mean, we really don't need you here in Sacramento anymore from the Kings' perspective. So 40-plus percent three-point shooter for Tyrese Halliburton. That's my first bold prediction.
1: I like it. I like it, Matt. I, Cause I, you know, you know, what's great about that too is it's not, it is bold because obviously 40% is nothing to, to wince at, but like, it's, it's not crazy. Like that is definitely something that, you know, you're not saying De'Aaron Fox or something. Like if you say De'Aaron Fox is going to shoot 40%, I'm like, well, Matt, we're definitely being bold here. I'm not saying hey. it's going to happen, but, um, I like that. I like that a lot. And, uh, I don't know if mine is as bold as as, the, as yours, but it feels uh, – honestly, if, uh, me thinking about it makes it feel like it is. I'm going to say Marvin Bagley plays at least 65 games this year. And I'm giving him a little bit of a cushion because, you know, we we know why. For who? For yes. who? His, uh, his, Marvin Bagley's career uh, high in games for a season was his rookie season playing 62. Even then, obviously, people. I remember his, his rookie year. It was it was not uh, it was not forgotten that that he or it was already talked about that he was uh, you know picking up injuries at an alarming rate. Um, but I think sixty five is definitely a manageable amount of game or a, a, a you know a reasonable amount of game for him to play. I think that would still leave some questions about his health for sure. But I think. Uh, it would be at least enough games to see like, okay, this is what this guy is. And, you know, obviously it's a contract year for him. Uh, he's going to have to come out swinging from the gate and, uh, yeah, I, I just think it's going to be really important for him to stay healthy, obviously as it is every season. But I think, uh, I think this season, he's not that he's going to you know, tread lightly or anything, but I just, I, I feel like he, he's, he's really going to try and make a conscious effort to keep his body as healthy
0: as possible. Them. I actually, I actually have a follow-up question to that for both of you that I've been discussing with Marvin Bagley. Before that, I actually got to adjust my, my first bold prediction. Cause I wasn't aware of this. I thought Tyrese was like a 38% three-point shooter last season. He was just at 40. Mm-hmm. So already he's doing what my bold prediction is. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to change it slightly Forty, continue him being a 40 plus percent three-point shooter, but at six plus uh, three-point attempts per game. And he was at 5.1 last season. So the volume goes up, but the percentage stays the same. So I'm adjusting that for the Buddy Hill, or rather Tyrese Halliburton bold prediction. But back to what you said um, about Marvin Bagley, Chris, and I I wanted to ask uh, you this too, Frankie. Um, Marvin needs to, to me, I understand Marvin might be the best option that the Kings have positionally at four. I don't want Marvin Bagley anywhere close to that starting spot on opening night. I want him to earn that spot by coming in off the bench. I don't want to reward him for all the crap last year, even if none of it came from his mouth. Some of it did come from his Twitter fingers and his Twitter account, I guess. Um, But I want him to earn that spot. I want him to prove that he can be reliable by staying healthy. And then the Kings can talk about reincorporating him into that starting lineup. That's where I'm at with him. I'm curious if you guys feel the same.
2: Well, last week, Chris and I talked about that too. I think about what role Marvin Bagley is going to play on the season. It is Tough to envision him starting the season on the bench. But then again, we saw what Luke Walton would do last year at, at times, uh, especially when Mo Harkless came to the roster and he's a guy who was resigned Maybe there's a scenario where Luke Walton is envisioning a starting lineup that includes Mo Harkless at the three and Harrison Barnes at the four. That's something that could be a scenario which would move Marvin Bagley to the bench. Uh, does that make the bench better? You could make a case that. Marvin Bagley attacking a team's bench big versus a starting big could be good for him as far as his his numbers number one his confidence number two, Uh, but we know how some Sacramento Kings players, notably Marvin Bagley and Buddy Heald, view coming off the bench. Um, I for one think that I a bench move could be could be productive. Like you said, Matt, make him earn it. Make him come in and show that he deserves a start. Will that happen? We don't know. Uh, maybe he hates starting enough or uh, ben- being on the bench enough that he holds out if he starts a year on the bench, okay. especially especially for Luke Walton. I don't know. But uh, I think that a bench uh, Marvin Bagley bench move could be intriguing. Chris, what do you think?
1: I think, I, I actually think
2: the, I shouldn't say think the opposite, but I think Luke will
1: do the, I think he'll probably start Marvin and it'll be a matter of he needs to earn the closing minutes. We saw that mm. a lot last year where he just straight up, like, he would get zero minutes in the fourth quarter, regardless of what he had done before the game. I just don't think Luke really trusts him in a closed game, especially, you know, when we had Buddy out there. He just didn't feel like we could have two minus defenders and be able to win basketball games. And Luke Walton, especially now, is in a position where that's the last thing he can afford to do is just throw away basketball games because he's trying to help the King's future, if you will, in air quotes. Um, I, I think Marvin's going to get the start just because positionally he he fits and, and he's, he's got the talent. Obviously it'd be tough to, to justify not playing him. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying you guys are saying he's not going to play. I think he'll probably end up being somewhere, you know, in the low twenties for minutes uh, for the first part of the season until he, until he shows he can, he can earn those closing minutes, but um, it's going to be interesting. That's for sure. And, and it's, it's all up to Marvin because, you know, it's, it's up to Luke as well to, to, uh, to put him in. But I I think Marvin's just going to have to show that he's willing to, to be something on defense because really, I mean, you think about it and, you know, this is, this is no surprise. And it was kind of a rhetorical question, but like what, what is there a Marvin Bagley highlight? You can think, not necessarily a highlight, but even just something, you know, did he ever come from the other side and, and pin something on, you know, you know, being a rim protector. No, I've never seen him uh, even have, you know, this is a little dramatic, but he never had a Kevin love stopping Steph Curry moment where it's like, Oh, like he really contained him out and out on the three point line. Like there's just little stuff. And, you know, Lord knows we're all looking for it. It's not like uh, it's not like we're always just trying to hate on him. We're trying to see some good stuff out of Marvin, but he just hasn't really shown it defensively. And I think that's where he's really going to have to, uh, to earn his minutes.
0: Today's Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the planet. The protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, covered in 100% chocolate. They have amazing flavors like coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and more. And all these bars are not only delicious, they're healthy for you. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty and all healthy go to built.com. Use promo code Locked15 for 15% off of your order. Again, it's promo code Locked15 for 15% off at built.com. And the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by Sweatblock, the anti-perspirant wipes that work better than really anything out there. The doctor created, doctor recommended. They work to up to seven days per use. They have a dry shirt guarantee, meaning if sweat block doesn't keep you dry you'll get your money back. They've been featured and t- tested on the retail Ratio, used by firefighters. Uh, they're a bestseller on Amazon for the past 10 years. Over 13,000 reviews for you to check out. Currently number one in Amazon anti-perspirant category and they're manufactured in the NBA or rather the USA. I'm sure NBA players use it as well. They're super easy to get. Like I mentioned, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it uh, at your local CVS pharmacy if you don't want to buy online or the best way I recommend doing it is getting them off of sweatblock.com because when you use promo code locked on all one word you'll get 20% off so get yourself uh, a box of sweat block today you won't be disappointed get rid of those sweat stains the embarrassment and just the discomfort Chris, you bring up a really, really good point about closing lineup versus starting lineup because ultimately closing lineup is more important. And, and another guy who's probably not going to be in the starting lineup who I expect to be in the closing lineup, and this isn't really a bold prediction. I just think this is going to be the case pretty quickly is Davion Mitchell. So mm-hmm. if if that's the case and maybe you're running a small three-guard lineup with Fox, Halliburton, and Mitchell with Barnes at the four and Rashawn Holmes at the five, there's no room for Bagley or Buddy in that closing five and if they have something to say about it okay that's fine like i like for the first time in a while all of the uh leverage is with the sacramento kings to where they've tried to move on from buddy it hasn't worked but they have his replacement here already in tyrese halliburton they've tried to move on from uh marvin bagley it hasn't worked but they're no longer reliant on him working out for the organization to be good they've kind of moved on from him being part of their core so if they're gonna pout and, and, and bitch and moan about it fine okay sit on the bench. We don't really care. Like you're, we don't really view you as part of the team going forward. And I, I expect that less at a buddy than I might out of Marvin throwing a fit. Like I think buddy has done a good job to kind of put that behind him and, and he matured well last season, but it also seemed like last season, he and the Kings and maybe Walton had some kind of agreement. Cause he had a significantly longer leash than he had the year before. So closing lineups, Chris, like you brought up are going to be extremely important to pay attention to honestly, from day one.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, like, like you said, closing lineup is most important. Last year, the Kings closing lineup consisted of Fox, Halliburton, who did not start, uh, Harrison Barnes, or Sean Holmes. uh, Buddy Heald also, but that, again, already is is an afterthought in my head. I almost forgot him at the end because in all these scenarios I've been envisioning for this next season, Davion Mitchell has taken over that spot in the closing lineup. And the two names that you mentioned, Matt, Marvin Bagley and Buddy Heald, that are probably not going to be in the closing lineup, those are two players that are just notably negatives on the defensive end. And when you get to insert a player like Davion Mitchell, sure, we haven't seen him defend at an NBA level just yet. The NBA Summer League, he was – I mean, the, people were making memes about him. He, he was all over the place in, in the way he defended James Booknight. Uh, Peyton Pritchard in that championship game had a horrible game. Um, its It's going to be tough for players like Marvin and players like Buddy who have started at an NBA level for a while now. And, and Buddy, most notably, was a guy who was in during crunch time every game last year. Had some big moments, had some bad moments. Uh, but when you have a player that is as defensively gifted and is as much of a difference maker on the defensive side, and at the end of games, you need stops. Unless you're down by 15 and you need buckets, yeah, maybe Buddy will be in. But Davion Mitchell, defense wins games late, and you can't really resonate putting him on the bench. You just can't. You need defense late, and Marvin Bagley, like Chris was saying, if he wants to be a player that can look too late, you got to play defense. And this is a year for Marvin where they just had a redraft for Bleacher Report. We've been seeing him all week. I know we we saw De'Aaron Fox was redrafted below Lonzo Ball. We'll have to get to that in a little bit. Uh, but Marvin Bagley, I don't think he was even in the first round, or at least not the top 20. I don't know if I, I saw it He teased. wasn't a lottery pick. He wasn't a lottery pick. Uh, if he wants that narrative to change – He's 22 years old. It's a contract year for him. Uh, He's going to have to do more than just score 14-7 and and play bad defense. He he needs to put it together. Um, Otherwise, being on the bench for the end of a game is going to be the last thing he needs to worry about.
0: Frank, you got a bold prediction for us to keep this going?
2: Bold prediction. Um, Bold prediction for next season. Number one, the Golden 1 Center cookies will remain fire. They're just going to be great. Uh, On the basketball side, Rashawn Holmes, second last year in field goal percentage in the NBA. He was below Rudy Gobert. (laughs) Some force a little more at the end of the year. Uh, I think he was at 66%, ended at 63 I think he gets it. I think he leads the league in field goal percentage. I think this is the one.
0: Does that include him taking, even if it's only slight, a higher volume of threes? Like if he wants to try and stretch the floor a little bit more, is that... Just push you, shot only.
2: Have you been seeing the, the the images of him working out and he's beyond the three-point arc? Because I saw him post the other day, and he's, he's shooting threes.
0: Yeah, and like. he's been doing that all last season and the season before, too, during warm-ups. It's a part of his game that he's been working on, and even Luke Walton at the start of last season, I don't know if you guys remember, said, yeah, we want him to take that shot more, but I think what Luke really said was, we want him to take that shot when there's three seconds left on the shot clock and we have no other options. Now it's like, okay, if you can get Rashawn to space the floor just a little bit, just a corner three here or there, just opens up a little bit more space is all I'm saying.
2: Let me rephrase then kind of like you, we'll, we'll go back. We'll say he leads the league in two point field, <laughs> okay. Two okay. Point field goals <laughs> okay. percentage. Uh, no, but Rashawn, he, he's back in Sacramento. He was nails last year. Uh, Rudy Gobert, obviously he's a guy who you throw it up there. He's going to put it in almost 70%, but um, Rashawn is a guy that can lead the league in field goal percentage, or at least be in the top three again. And I do expect him to be, at that level or better this year. Uh, He did four slot last year. Maybe he shoots a little more, uh, but with De'Aaron Fox putting on that size, I could imagine he's going to be driving the paint more. That could be more cleanup opportunities for a Sean, more lob opportunities for a Sean. Um, But he's a guy that for sure has the potential to to lead the league in field goal percentage.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I can't really, I don't know. I I can't say like, no, Rudy Gobert, like, he's 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 going to be a pro- well Rudy Gobert is going to be a problem because to Matt's what Matt was kind of getting at there Rudy's only taking shots at the, at the rim like he really is only dunking it we have seen Rashawn start I mean even the push shot we want to talk about extending range that push shots getting to the free throw line at this point like he, he's he's getting to the point where he might start taking some threes with with the push shot so hey there, there's
2: Matt Matt getting some some intel look well, keep in mind the the push shot this is a we got a look at this push shot a year after the scarring visions of Kosa Kufus's push shot how he would they would oh, fall it was, <laughs> it, it was beautiful but he would like it was more like a
1: runner than it was a push shot but like yeah
2: <laughs> I think we we need to get some deep dive stats on what Kosa final percentage was on that push shot because you know what I also need to
1: in like I, this is probably a little bit of sports talk guy but like why doesn't Rashawn holmes teach his teammates that shot like i feel like marvin bag like if marvin bagley had that shot like it would be
2: not has hassan that, tried that shot though didn't hassan whiteside try okay. that shot that's, last year that
1: is that is literally the last person that i would want to t- like that's not going to work out he's got he's got i have the same touch as Rashawn holmes like or as a as a <laughs> Rashawn holmes as a uh I almost called him Dwayne Deadman. What's this? What's, what's like wash Stop. Up center? Yeah, uh, <laughs> all side. Like I saw Whiteside. Like, he's got no touch, and that if anyone's going to completely ruin the push shot, it's going to be
0: him. That shot is such no a effect. skill yeah. shot, though. Like, it's such a this. I don't know how much you can teach that shot as much as you just have to kind of feel that shot and the consistency of that shot. It's a very different shot from the one I'm comparing it to. But in terms of like, I expect the Rashawn Holmes push shot from mid range to go in. Just like every single time Bano Udrich did the stop and pop from mid range, I expected it to go in like that. Just that was that's it's fair. that it's on that same level for me. Of, I don't know if Bano could teach that stop and pop to too many people. But if he was to stop and pop from straight on three point range, you're like, oh, crap, that's probably going to miss. But if he steps two feet inside or a foot inside the three point line, top of the key, it was in every single time for Beno. So I, I kind of uh, attribute it on the same level with that push shot. Um, but I like that one about Rashawn Holmes. How about this one? A bold prediction. The Sacramento Kings had two separate nine game losing streaks last season. The Kings won't have a losing streak longer than three games this year. Ooh. I saw Chris physically – that, that might have hurt. You that have a hurt level you. of bold, Matt. That doesn't, that doesn't mean they're going to go on like an a, a 18-game win streak or anything no, like that. I'm means- talking about like three losses in a row and then a win and then another two losses and then a win and then three losses and a win. As long as it doesn't get above three, man. Hey. I'm no math whiz, but
1: that feels like that means that the Kings are going to win a lot of games.
2: I – I would hope so. (laughs) I do wonder what the last year was. The Kings have not had a four game losing streak or more. I'd imagine it was probably maybe the 2018-19 team. I don't know if they ever lost one of the four in a row, three, four in a row. But no, I like that prediction. I like that prediction because that kind of brings me to, I mean, Matt, that would mean that they probably are going to be in the ten seed range, though. Is that a bull prediction for later on? I guess we'll have to wait on that one. But no, no. I mean, let's. I mean, let's
0: incorporate it right now because I expect the Kings to be in the play-in at oh. the bare minimum. Like I, I expect them to be in the play-in. If they're not, it's a colossal failure. So I mean, the team has put that on themselves. It's only right for me to hold them to that expectation. And if they fail, then heads will roll at that point. So yeah, I'm right there with you, Frank.
2: Yeah. Our general, yeah, the general read that I have to, and Chris, you can you can follow up on on my prediction and again it was gonna be like a bold prediction of mine but i don't even know if you can put bold on it it's just that saying the kings are gonna be in the play-in meaning that they're gonna be the 10th best team in the western conference shouldn't be yeah a, a big deal uh the team i do think is improved from last year it every other team has improved as well uh but I do think they have the talent to get to the 10th seed. Chris is laughing. Chris, do you (laughs) not agree with the 10th seed?
1: No, it's not even the 10th seed. I was just looking at the Kings' schedule, and I feel more than confident that they're going to go (laughs) 0-4. Their first four games are at Portland versus the Jazz versus the Warriors at Phoenix.
0: Hey, hey. Kings are winning two of those. minutes. <laughs> give, give them one. Just give them one. The Kings are beating Portland and on opening night because Dame and the Blazers are in shambles and they're beating the Warriors just because.
1: We know that, Kings are a different team on opening night. They are. Are they? I don't know. They won last year.
0: I was going to say, with Tyrese Halliburton, they are. Can we play the Nuggets? <laughs> if they're playing yeah, the Nuggets, they are. Oh, well, yeah. Last year, it was Nuggets, uh, Suns, Suns, Suns
1: Nuggets. It was, yeah. Uh, yeah. Th- that it was the buddy tip, and then they had the back-to-back. Against Phoenix, and they won one, uh, one. And then, and then, yeah, I remember how good I was. I was like, "Man, we we just beat we split them with Phoenix. Like, it's like we're, we're gonna either, be raw, or we're we're a problem."
0: Uh, Frank, yeah, back.
1: Neither were true.
0: And Frankie, to what you were saying earlier, that that 2018-19 team did have a four-game losing streak, but that was their longest. Uh, and then they they only had one uh a uh, three game losing streak other than that, so they did a pretty, they did a pretty good job not losing too many in a row, but we just i can't even I don't wanna even get remotely close to nine again. like i no. just I can't sit through <laughs> another nine eight, seven, six, five is pushing it at this point. like if, they've done enough losing streaks in the last season to to forgive this year.
2: It's crazy because you look back at last year's team and I think the consensus that people will look back at last year's team and say, man, they were so bad. And yet somehow they still finished 31 and 41. And that was with two nine game losing streaks. And they still were two games out of the plan, two games. So I think you can literally point at even one of those nine game losing streaks and say that kept you out of the post season or out of the plan. At least they had two of them and they still finished two games out. So if you can avoid long losing streaks, which is why I like your prediction, Matt. And I, I do I, I hope it happens. I really hope it happens uh, because if they do not lose more than three games in a row or four games in a row all year next year, they're probably going to be in the play-in or better. Uh, but that's the way that goes with good teams. You stop those skids. The Kings could not stop those skids, uh, and they suffered for it. Uh, 18 games right there, 18 big ones, you know, consecutive yeah. losses. So, uh, yeah, I, I do I do like the prediction. Um that 18, 19 team also was the best team the Kings have had in 12 years at the time. So let's, uh, let's take a step up.
1: Yeah. Uh, my bold prediction is going to kind of spin off of, well, I pointed the wrong way, Matt's bold prediction. Uh, and not this season, but next season, I think Luke Walton still our head coach. Um. I think the Kings kind of made it pretty clear that, uh, Luke is for the moment, uh, the plan for the few, you know, the, he is the guy that they believe will take them. I believe they said to the promised land or over the top, they, they use some over hyperbole to say like Luke Walton's our guy. Uh, and we believe he can take us to the playoffs or something like that. And, uh, yeah, to Matt's point, I think I keep doing it the wrong way to Matt's point. If, uh, if the Kings are going to be, you know, Hey, if Luke Walton's going to stay, he, he's going to have to succeed. And uh, I think this is the year that the money is feeling pressure, even though it's only his second year with the team. I think he's going to feel the pressure to win. Luke obviously feels the pressure to win. But Beck is it, just from head to toe. It, there's pressure to really get this thing going. And I think that's where you see the Ben Simmons rumors. That's where you saw the Kings were interested in Damian Lillard. I don't, doesn't doesn't seem like any of those kind of things are going to happen this year, but I think if the opportunity does arise at some point in the season to gain even a marginal amount of talent, I think the Kings are going to hop on it and really, really, it's (laughs) as frustrating as it might be. Like, I think they're really going to try and hammer for that eight seed um, for the play-in, maybe even try and get a seven seed depending on how the season's going and try and really lock something in. But I think I just think the pressure is going to be too much this year and they're going to 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 win. And you can't. Fr- I, the thing that made me think of this is, Frankie, you kind of described Luke Walton's Kings era in, in a nutshell of like it really felt like we were really bad last year. But that was the second best record we've had in in God knows how many years in what 70
2: happens. in 72
0: games too, yeah. not even a full season. Yeah and he's, and he's had two broken seasons in his first two seasons well, and right before the first season things started going to crap the Kings you know. were playing really really well because and Luke Walton had that team playing well so I understand what you're saying yeah. completely
1: I yeah I think you know Luke Walton is if you look at it he's our second in terms of winning percentage the second most winning coach in Sacramento era like sad it does not feel like that it does not feel like that at all if you know I would say people are I would say that people would say They would rather have the Dave Yeager era or the Mike Malone era. Obviously, Mike Malone's era is more with what could have been. But um, the fact that Luke has been able to tangibly accomplish what he has and have it still feel bad is like it's not a good thing for sure. But it's kind of a blessing and a curse in the sense of if this is what it is when things are going bad, I can't wait to see how it's when it's going well. And maybe it's a Brett Brown situation where, you know, he just he has his limit on how much he can coach up or coach down a team. Um, and, you know, the Kings will make the move when necessary. But I, I don't think Luke Walton is actively anchoring this team down like I think a lot of people do.
0: And Chris, to your point, Luke Walton has a 43 percent win percentage in his two seasons with the Sacramento Kings. Second only to Rick Gattelman. which is just crazy to think about. But Rick is is 63%. So there's a massive gap between those two, as we know. And and honestly, I think this is going to go one of two ways. The season's going to go one of two ways, which is very feast or famine here. And and obviously Kings fans should be rooting for the the positive way. I think Luke Walton is either, to your point, going to be the Kings head coach next year, meaning the Kings made the playoffs or at least made the play in, um, which I think making the plan might not be enough, to be honest. I think they have to make the plan and then actually make the playoffs through it for him to stick around or he's gonna be fired like before the trade deadline yeah. like I think it's going to go one of two ways because if the Kings aren't performing Luke Walton's gone and I and I think that's the easy move for the Kings to make midseason if things still aren't working out especially with the pressure that's on the organization to win right away so very feast or famine but either Luke's gonna be around through next year or Luke's gonna be gone before we hit like March and April that's
1: going crystal ball here if Luke does get, let go in the middle of the season do you feel like it would be like a George Carl situation where you feel the Kings kind of already have somebody in mind that they're planning on bringing in or do you think it would be like oh man Alvin Gentry's on staff not that Alvin's a slouch at all but you know let's just rock with Alvin and and see how that goes because that kind of doesn't really feel like a plan it kind of more just feels like we got rid of the guy that we feel like the problem or that people want out as the problem like let's just
0: kind of keep it rolling i feel like it would be alvin like i just feel like it would be alvin and and Mm -hmm. i know a lot of kings fans would be extra upset if walton is fired not because walton's fired but because the kings made this move after there were a lot of candidates that were now we don't know if these candidates like rick carlisle is never going to come to sacramento like so let's let's completely dismiss that he's in indiana now but there were some good candidates available this offseason that the kings decided to choose luke walton over so if they end up firing him instead of going after one of those candidates i could understand king's fans being mad i feel like it would be alvin but i don't uh, that that move also doesn't move the needle for me i know alvin's well liked but does alvin gentry suddenly take this team does now alvin do what nate mcmillan does in in atlanta absolutely not Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. yeah george carl's not walking through that door a George, a, a George Carl-esque, like mid-season hire is what, what is I meant to say. Like you, a guy that's... slamming the door in George Carl's face if he yeah, tries to walk to that. I'm not letting the man out are, are we doing this again, George? Kings part two? No, just like, yeah, if Luke Walton is to be fired, it will be, in my opinion, it'd be like a, a knee jerk. Oh, the Kings are one in 10 to begin the season. Okay, there it is. Um, and yeah, Alvin Gentry is a guy who's been the head coach. You know, it's Alvin Gentry for years. And... It just seems too easy of a solution to just kind of plug them in and, and get through the year and then in the offseason reassess. Uh, but it is crazy when you think about it in that number the numbers. Luke Walton, 31 wins last year in ten games less than you know a full season. That's that's I don't know. You you gotta give him some credit with with everything going on with with no training camp the first two years, COVID. Uh, all that stuff. It's uh, pe- people want to chastise them for it. They want to get on them and they want someone to blame. I get it. The Kings are bad. It's frustrating. Everyone wants the team to be good. We all get it. We want the team to be good too. Uh, but you have to give a little credit where credit's due. And the fact that a bad team for almost 20 years has been less bad, which isn't much of a pat on the back, but they've been less bad over the last two years. And it, it's crazy. We look at it. Those nine game losing streaks. They weren't, 15 games out of the playoffs. They were two games out. So see
0: that might piss fans off more though, that they haven't been less bad or they haven't been more bad because then they put could have potentially been a position for a top pick in a very strong draft class. So I know there's that, there's always that line in the sand of, of people saying the Kings should lose as many games as possible versus no try and go for it. But at least to me, that line is completely gone and that's kind of the relief of this season. That's why I appreciate McNair and Walton making the goal clear. Like none of us should be talking about tanking. None of us should be talking about future development. We're talking about winning right now. That's all that matters. And that to me is a breath of fresh air for this year.
1: And can I make a cross sport, uh, uh, comparison here because uh, the Kings have been compared to the Cleveland Browns for as long as they've been bad. And what you see with how the Cleveland Browns have now, I mean, they're not Super Bowl. Con- well, they, they are fringe Super Bowl contenders. Um, but the way they got there from being a complete laughing stock was not, it was a little bit overnight, but also you can't just go from a joke franchise to championship contender in two years or something like that. Like you have to, make reasonable decisions to get yourself to the middle. And then at that point, people will be like, okay, like they're now just, you know, whatever. They're no different than, I don't want to say the Minnesota Timberwolves because they're the second least winning franchise. But, you know, they're they're, a, they're the Pacers. Like there's no difference between the Kings and the Pacers. That's where we want to be because at that point it's like, well, at least we're playing the game because, right, I mean, there was a couple – I mean, not even a couple years. There was – 10, 12 years where the Kings were just, you know, we're, we're, we're celebrating Baino Udreth averaging 16 points a game. And it's like, you know, yeah, but y'all won 10 games. And like, yeah, we're at a point. I say that to say like, we're at a point where it sounds probably insane that Frank's like, we need to give Luke Walton credit for winning his 31 games, 10 games under 500 whatever it is. But like, yeah, like no one else has done that in their time here. We should, like, it's not, it's just because we're not garbage and, but we're not great doesn't mean there's not some in between that we can find some happiness or solace in. Like, well, like we, you need to progress and yeah. up is more what I'm saying. Like, this Definitely. will happen overnight. And, and you know, even if it is something like, it sucks to say, but like, if De'Aaron Fox is what gets us to this point, but then trading De'Aaron Fox is what gets us to this point. Like you can't have this without that previous point happening.
2: Yeah. It's just like, I'm not sitting here saying, Hey, Luke Walton's doing great. Everybody let's all say he's great. And and like the way you said it though, Chris is no one's done it. I mean, Mike, Michael Malone, we can do the, what ifs all day. I do think the, the team would have been way ahead of where it is now. If he would have stayed as the head coach, he didn't, um, Others have come and failed. Luke Walton is still technically failing, but the team, whether you like it or not, or if you're mad about it, that's fine, but they're playing better than they have in the years past. The last two years, they've, they've, they haven't been horrible. I'm sorry. And and even the Dave Yeager year, the Kings have kind of been spinning their wheels for three years now on that. We're getting close. We're getting close. We're almost to the, nope, we're not. We're still nine, 10 range. Um, And this is a year I think where they're actually saying it. We need to make the playoffs. This is, this is, we have, we're aiming for the playoffs. That's the goal. That hasn't been said in a while. Um, I don't think Dave Yeager ever said that. I don't think Luke Walton has said that at all over the first two years here. And in that end of year press conference, Monty McNair and Luke Walton both said playoffs. We want the playoffs next year. Um, because again, Luke Walton's job's on the line. Monty McNair a year from now, his job will be on the line too if the Kings are still bad. So give credit where credit's due. The Kings stink. They stink. They stink a little less. And that's okay but this is the year where things need to change.
0: The lockdown Kings podcast is brought to you by our friends at rock auto with the ever increasing numbers of makes and models of vehicles. It's now impossible for your local chain store to carry all of the stock parts that you need. And even if they do happen to carry the part, they have one part for one set price point, And it's way more than what you would spend on RockAuto.com. For example, you could spend 30 50 or even a hundred percent more at your local warehouse than on uh, rockauto.com, an example, Honda Odyssey Fuel Pump is $353 from a chain store, but only $216 from Rock Auto. They have all the parts that you need, a variety of price points, a variety of brands. You do your shopping. They send it right to you. You will save money. Go explore their easy-to-use website today. Find the solution for your auto parts need. Again, that's rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or your truck. Right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com bet online is back and better than ever all eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back to start another football season whether it's nfl ncaa as always bet online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season with a new updated site and interface even more odds props and contests bet comp- continues to be the number one source for everything football but basketball, they're also number one in. Head of the website, use your mobile device, sign up today to receive a 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. From football to basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season at BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Before we, uh, we wrap things up, if you have any last-minute questions, um, uh, bold predictions make sure you have them ready i have one that chris i know is going to get a reaction out of you because it feels so bold it feels gross to I'm say ready. but I, I wrote it down just for the reaction and All i right. expect this to get a reaction from listeners right. too doing clear face the sacramento kings will not be the worst team in the pacific division huh wait <laughs> That means I, they will be at least better than one of the Warriors, Lakers, Clippers, or Suns this year.
2: I already know. I know who it is. And I'll, I'll let you, I mean, do, can I, Chris, do you want to guess what team it is? I'm going to guess he's talking about the Clippers. That's what I'm, that's my guess. Well, really?
0: Wow. I would have guessed the Warriors just because I'm not rooting for this, but Clay's not himself or God forbid, Clay gets hurt again. And then the Warriors just, don't really have it so but I think the Warriors are still going to be good I'm more betting on the Kings being significantly better you have the Clippers dropping off that serious that that's like what injuries man no quiet. Well, oh,
1: yeah uh, mm. yeah not mm. no quiet. yeah Paul George running the show I just don't I mean you hey. know, I'm, I'm not entirely certain how well that'll go but I still would if I had to guess I would say that they'll still Well, I I mean, that would probably be the team. I I can't say the people who just made the NBA finals, even though if I'm probably being honest, that's probably who I would go with. Um, I can't say the Lakers because obviously they, you know, with the amount of talent that they have, regardless how old they are. Uh, you know, Matt, how about how about you go ahead and finish your point before? I...
0: <laughs> no, no, that was that was literally. I mean, honestly, too, the Kings could be a 500 team or right around 500 yeah. team and still be the worst in the Pacific Division with how stacked this division is. So it oh, just yeah. like to me, I think it's the Golden State Warriors or the Los Angeles Clippers. To your guys's point, but the Suns are going to be at the top, and the Lakers are just the Lakers. They have LeBron. There's no way that team's going to be bad unless all those old men hurt themselves. Like that, that's literally the only way yeah. I can see the Lakers being absolutely terrible. So, but it's still, I still don't think the Kings are going to be the best team in the Pacific division or uh, the anything but the worst team in the Pacific division. Yeah. All five Pacific division teams might make the playoffs. Like that, there's a very good chance of that with the Kings being the outlier. I have,
2: into it. I have to say that. I don't know. Like last year with the, the Kawhi factor and everything, there's, there isn't a team. I probably the sun still at that. I look at and I'm like, Oh, the Kings play them tonight. That sucks. Cause like the Lakers, the Kings beat the Lakers at full strength last year. The Lakers are still a, a good team, but they're kind of older this year. Yeah, Russell Westbrook. We'll see how that works out. Um, Anthony Davis is in and out, in and out of the court. I mean, you, you look at the Clippers; they're gonna probably be a step, a step slower without Kawhi Leonard for a whole season. Um, no, Matt, I, I agree with that. I think Chris and I have talked about that too. I think we last year we're, or last week looking at the the top ten teams in the West and looking at who could fall out, and I think we said the Clippers were gonna be in that Lakers range next year where they fall yeah. out fall either at least not out of the playoffs they're at least going to fall into the play-in which would be the seven eight nine ten range uh kind of where lebron and, and the lakers fell last year and had to fight for their lives um but golden state like you said too they're such a question mark they had kind of a spurt at the end of the year last year where people were saying oh here come the warriors they're gonna make the playoffs as an eight seed and they're gonna make things happen nope they lost uh they lost uh there was seven seed i think weren't they No, they're the eighth seed, and they they beat the Lakers. Anyways, people out there are going to get in and make some noise. Steph Curry was being Steph of the old. And now you look at Klay uh, Thompson, who's coming back. He hasn't played basketball in two years. Uh, Draymond Green, I don't know if he moves the needle as a guy who's going to make differences. Uh, James Wiseman, those young guys they have. Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, what role do they play? Uh, The Kings have probably the second or youngest team, second youngest team in the Pacific Division. They can run with the best of them. I, I'm with you, Matt. I think the Kings, uh, they won't be cellar dwellers this year. They'll, they'll be hopping out. The,
1: the thing that I like about your prediction, again, Matt, is it just takes one team for to be worse than the <laughs> Just one, please. Just one. It just takes the Clippers. I'm looking at the Warriors here, and no one likes to hate on the Warriors as much as I do. But last year, they were just not talented. Last year, the Warriors were just bad. They didn't have talent. I think this year they got a lot better. They picked up Bialisa, which we know what a sneaky signing that could be. Uh, they got all their rookies, Moody uh, um, um, and uh, Kaminga. James Wiseman's going to be a year older. They signed Iguodala. I don't think Iguodala is going to play much. I, you know, Jordan Poole showed a little bit of something at the end. I just think they're a little bit deeper than they were last year in the sense of, you know, Steph Curry comes off the court and they can actually kind of hold their own a little. Uh, also there, who was there? Uh, Kelly Oubre was their big signing that they were hoping to get something out of last year and legitimately could not have gotten anything less out of him. I just think the Warriors are going to be pretty good, but in terms of the Pacific division, I, the Clippers are probably the one that you're going to have to hold out for, for, for maybe being worse than the Kings. I, I Phoenix, I think there's potential for them to slide. I mean, Chris Paul is another year older. It's probably going to put a lot more pressure on Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. No one's going to be giving them benefit of the doubt anymore. That'll be interesting to see. I I don't know. Also, like, you know, obviously we all deal with injuries. But, you know, if if Chris Paul at 38, 37 goes out for three weeks, what happens to that team?
2: Campaign time.
1: (laughs) Boy, worked out in the playoffs. <laughs> oh boy! Uh, yeah. No, I, I, I agree. Like, I like, I like the prediction. I like. I said it only, it only takes one. So
2: I, I think the theme of, of what we've been talking about the last little bit is the Kings are going to be better than people think. Is that what we all can agree? Do we think the Kings are going to be better than we all anticipate? Because what is, what are our feelings right now? Like, really? Like, do we think they're going to? Like a month or two ago, I thought they're going to be bad. And then they made some moves. And now I'm like, hey, Alex Len, Mo Harkless, Davion Mitchell, the team's better than last year. Are we all kind of in agreement?
0: To me, it's always been this team needs to be better. I don't think they made enough moves to like say, oh, they're absolutely, they absolutely should be in the playoff conversation. But I think they've made enough moves to say they have the talent to outperform expectation. I think that's where I'm at. Like they have enough talent. That's not the excuse anymore compared to like what the bench was at the start of last season. That's not an excuse anymore. You might have to play up and play a little better than people are expecting of you. But if that means De'Aaron Fox taking that next step, Tyrese Halliburton avoiding a sophomore slub. Uh, Rashawn Holmes playing to the level of his contract Harrison Barnes continuing to play well buddy healed being a, a sharpshooter off the bench like if that's what it takes that's what needs to happen for this Kings team that's where I'm at
1: mm-hmm. yeah I, I think they're just more talented I think they have more depth obviously we've talked about it all summer you know they, they've last season they came in with you know Glenn I think I've used this example plenty of times but Glenn Robinson the third was like we were hoping he would get significant minutes at the backup three and then mm-hmm. he was released within two weeks or something like that. So, you know, the team is clearly more, more deep than they were last year to have buddy healed coming off the bench. You know, if, if Marvin's going to come off the bench, those are two, um, like uh, those are hand for hand, some of the best bench players in the league. Um, th- if the Kings are going to have that, they're just going to be a better well-rounded team. The problem I, I, I don't, well, we we'll, it's, determined to see if it's a problem, but um, is their top-end talent good enough? Is De'Aaron Fox going to make a leap? Is he still going to be 25, 7, and 4, whatever he was? Will Tyrese get up to 16 to 18 points a game? Will Buddy stay as productive as he is? Will Harrison Barnes play as well as he played last year, where Sean Holmes was in a contract year last year? Can he keep that kind of production up? There's a lot of questions. I mean, it, it again, like getting Ben Simmons would would definitely help with the top end talent kind of thing and, and raising what the team ceiling is. I just feel like at the moment there's no way that the team is above like if they were to like play their absolute hearts out all season. I feel like that would get them on the seventh seed.
0: Well, gentlemen, we'll uh, we'll have to look back on these predictions and see how foolish we look, or if any of us are are, are looking pretty good, if any of us are right. Normally. It doesn't go that way, but we'll have to wait and see at the end of the season or even midway through next season. Uh, keep listening to Franklin Cardicelli and Chris Watkins on the Return of the Roar podcast. Of course, keep tuning in to Locked on Kings as well. Appreciate these guys uh, doing a little crossover episode uh, with me. And we're going to have to do this again, guys. It's always fun. It's always a good conversation, especially uh, Chris's reactions to what I have to say every single time.
2: Yeah, have you, have you had the video aspects? So we could see that. I know,
1: yeah. I'm, I'm gonna come out with a gift package of reactions for the season, so stay tuned.